Hello, and welcome to Workers' Power on 4ZZZ. Um, you just listened to Making Plans for Nigel by XTC, and your hosts today are Jackson, Bill, and Hannah. Um, today on the show we have plenty of workers' action, special guests, and of course the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. But before we start, we of course acknowledge that the, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded, and we pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparations and land rights. Um, so first off, we're going to do some First Nation workers' action, and our first story today is from Sydney. Uh, do you want to read it out, Hannah? No worries, comrade. Uh, so a rally is being held at noon today calling for charges to be laid against the prison officers who murdered David Dungay Jr. in 2015. On Sunday, police won a Supreme Court battle to prohibit the rally and they plan to impose thousands of fines on those who attend. A statement from the organisers, Justice for Dundee, David Dungay Jr. states, This rally will take place on unceded Gadigal land and stand in solidarity with the continuing Black Lives Matter protests happening in the United States and across the world. The, the wave of global protests was sparked by the murder of George Floyd by police in Minneapolis and we continue to raise our voices for justice for this family. Aboriginal people in this country are the most incarcerated people in the world and know this violence only too well, with 437 deaths in custody since the Royal Commission in 1991 and no police or prison officers held criminally liable. Dungadi man David Dungay Jr. was killed in Long Bay Jail on 29th of December 2015, as his family said in a solidarity statement on June 6. Our hearts go out to the family of George Floyd. We feel your pain. Watching the video footage of George being murdered by police has been very painful for our family. David Dungay Jr., our Dungadi warrior, was killed in exactly the same way. A prison riot squad stormed David's cell. They used the excuse that rice crackers he was eating were a risk to his health. David cried, I can't breathe, 20 times in the last nine minutes of his life. A coronial inquest in 2019 found the cell raid was entirely unnecessarily, unnecessary and not properly authorised, but no one has been held accountable. The Dungay family helped to lead more than 50,000 people on a Black Lives Matter rally through the streets of Sydney on June 6, in defiance of attempts to ban the demonstration. Today is the first day the New South Wales Parliament is scheduled to sit after a long break. On this day, the family will march on the Parliament and present a huge number of petitions demanding charges are laid on the guards and the authorities who killed David. We want to stop the city in the middle of the week we are calling on all supportive organisations, workers and unions to stop work and join us. The Chatfield family will have just concluded the inquest into the death of Tane Chatfield in circumstances in 2017. The family were not notified for five hours and still have no answers. Tane had been held in prison for two years without being convicted and was confident of being acquitted of charges in a hearing taking place when he died. The killings must stop. We demand justice for all deaths in custody victims. We demand the implementation of all recommendations from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal death in custody in 1991. Yeah, it's a very 
um, interesting story, and especially considering how much police, um, how much the police are opposing this rally. It's definitely something to keep an eye out, and we'll have to report on how it went next week. Yeah, so. yeah, they've they've moved to to the domain. They've moved it. It's a picnic in, in the domain with, with social dis- because they needed a, a little bit more room. So the domain's a big area down in Sydney. Um, and uh, in near the city, and uh, um, so it's a it's a picnicking protest, so they can do social distancing. Um, so uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we'll keep our eyes peeled on that one for sure. And if you're anxious to see how it goes yourself, the organisers of the rally are um, Justice for David Dungay Jr. So if you search that up on Facebook, you'll you'll be sure to see updates of how it's going because this is a bit of a tense moment, I imagine, for them. And it's really important to remember that, you know, people are going to the football and lots of people paying contact sports on the weekend. So to to say in this one instance that people can't gather is quite narrow-sided, really. It's clearly politically motivated. Yeah. I mean, when when you're protesting against police brutality, obviously the police are going to not be too happy about that. I I did hear that um, the organisers were offering to to cancel the rally if um if there was agreed to be an, an inquest into his death mm. they they said they would just cancel it altogether but that obviously didn't didn't happen mm. no but uh, like you said there there probably and I'll go out on a limb there'll probably be more people at the football yeah <laughs> probably know? you know and uh uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, uh, the the uh, right wing nut jobs can you know, come out and uh, you know use use COVID to get against them, but uh, never mention the footy. So uh, um, yeah, a, a, a peaceful uh, picnic in protest is uh, is a good way to go, I think. Yeah, and as always, there'll be lots of masks and hand sanitizer being passed around. I'm sure. Yeah, all the rallies that I've been to up here, both at Kangaroo Point and Black Lives Matter, there's always been people walking around giving masks and uh, and hand sanitizer. And if you're lucky, because I always forget sunscreen, one of them will have sunscreen as well. So water, yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> all, yeah. The, the most uh, rallies that we go to are quite well organised, you know. And mm. if uh, if um, comrades are in trouble, they uh, they they can be looked after. Yeah. So um, now we're going to move on to another story. This time it's from West End. Do you want to take us away? No worries, comrade. Uh, so legendary Aboriginal activist Uncle Sam Watson has been memori- memorialised in a new mural in West End's Banyapa Park. The mural was painted by Camilleroy Street art- artist Waraba Weatherall. Greens councillor Jonathan Sree, who was involved in commissioning the artwork, said that he is really pleased that Uncle Sam's memory will be preserved in this park. He also pointed out that Uncle Sam was the elder who originally suggested the name Banyapa for this particular space. The mural fittingly features Uncle Sam speaking to a microphone. He was a towering figure in the Brisbane movement for Aboriginal rights and regularly spoke at protest rallies. He was also the Indigenous rights spokesperson for Socialist Alliance. Yeah, that's a nice story. Um, We got that story from Green Left Weekly, by the way. Yeah, he was part of Socialist Alliance and a uh, great comrade. Uh, I met him a few times and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, um, like I've always said, and and, and when when we, we said on his passing yeah, and that uh, when you went to a rally and Uncle Sam was there, you knew you knew it was fair income. You knew you, 
you were at the real deal. So, uh, yeah, great stuff by, uh, um, you know, comrades wanting to uh, recognise a, a great comrade. Yeah, and his legacy is carried on by Sam Watson Jr., who we've interviewed on this show a couple of times, who's an active organiser in war and uh, at the Kangaroo Point blockade currently. Righto, so um, we're moving on to our um, Agitate, Educate, Organise uh, part of the show and uh, we will just have a little bit of a chat about what we've been up to and the like. And uh, um, did, did either of you uh, see the Life Campaign launch? Oh, I popped in and saw a little little tiny bit of it then I had to attend to some hungry children. <laughs> yeah, the time, timing was... T- w- w- was uh, it was late at night, um, but... It was it was really really good. It was very professional, and um, you know, w- once again, uh, Anti Poverty Network Queensland is punching above its weight now, being involved with that. So uh, um, they're real real goers as Anti Poverty Network Queensland members, aren't they? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and it was and there was some really good speeches, and one in particular from um, Ellen and. Uh, Oh, anyhow, from um, uh, the APN essay, a really, really good uh, speech that that summed up uh, class struggle, basically. You know, she doesn't say class struggle, but uh, it's all there in her speech. So um, that that was really good. But uh, what I also wanted to highlight and uh, let comrades know about is that uh, in September, there's going to be a week of action. It's it's nearly going to be a month of action, really, you know, and that's when the... um, the JobKeeper payments and the job... Oh, they're dropping it back down. They're dropping it back down again. So um, there'll there'll be a week of... uh, A a central week or leading up to it, you know, heaps of events leading, even leading up to that event. And I think uh, Anti-Poverty Week is in there somewhere at the end of September. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. It's around that time, isn't it? Yeah, so it'll be... There'll be... uh, uh, plenty of action there, and uh, there'll be some lots of agitating happening um, in and around. And um, yeah, once again, well, uh, you know, Andy Poverty Network, uh, uh, the boots on the ground, so to speak, for for the Brisbane. So um, yeah, we'll be able to keep everyone informed. And um, also, uh, I've got here Kangaroo Point. I just wanted to ask you, you, you may you may not have, but have either of you been down to Kangaroo Point in the last week? No, not myself. Oh, God, well, well, yeah, because you spent so much time the week before, I think. Uh, <laughs> but that that's the way activism is. You, you can get there, down there when you can. And, and um, yeah, we need to rest. Uh, that's one thing I was going to point out here. I've only been down there for... I think it was half an hour on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, you know, I've got a day job, I've got a family to worry about, but, you know, whenever we can get out there, we will do. Yeah, momentum is being kept up, though, thankfully. There's a lot of people involved and always more people are welcome, I'm sure. That's right. Well, I've been encouraged my union members to get down there, so uh, in, a, in a sense, I'm down there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, and, and I've also got here um, the No Waste to Energy Incinerator for Ipswich. Now, we had an interview on our show a couple of weeks ago with uh, activist Jim Dodrell. Now, there was a, um, I got invited to a meeting last Saturday, and we're, we're organising. So, I just wanted that's another, um, another thing of watch this space because. 
Um, it's, it's one of those things, and uh, it's a it's a good example to talk about in activism, and 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 where where they say that uh, like strikes are bloody workers, they, they're going on strikes, or, or or you know XR staple, you know gluing themselves into the ground. It's because everything has been tried. Mm. All these people and activists out at out at Ipswich, they've all been going and and and. And doing um, what do you call you, you when when they do a development app, doing submissions to the development applications and 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 uh, um, you know calling politicians and getting politicians, it's been done. Yeah, you know it's been done. Rallies have been held. Mm. And nothing you know? seems to be happening. And I was reading happened. about there was a toxic waste fire out there on um, Sunday the nineteenth yeah, of this yeah. month. Yeah, well, and, and see. The thing for me, because as you know, I live quite close there, and all day, and even my partner goes, oh, something's burning, mm. you know, in the house. You When you've got young kids and things like that, you're always worried, you know, especially living in a wooden house, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, all day Sunday, yeah, there was just that, oh, I can smell burning plastic yeah. all day, all yeah. day, you know, so... Um, yeah, it's yuck. And um, the one of, one of the things is 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 they can't even look out what they're doing now. Well, you know, things fires and all happen. Yeah, and, no one to do with it. You all. know, and there's no good checks in place. So uh, you can just imagine what they're going to try and burn for for uh, the sake of energy. So uh, yes, watch that space. Um, I will keep you up to date because I'm right there in the thick of it. And um, uh, um, yeah. And we have Jorgen, the Queensland CEO, here to tell us all about it. Hi again. Hi, Jorgen. How are you? I'm going good. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, can you tell us a bit about Mates and Construction and why it came about? Yeah, Mates and Construction is a is a Queensland uh, organisation that was started back in 2007, and um, it was. Um, the, a number of unions and uh, together with employer associations uh, discovered that we had very high suicide rates within our industry and uh, then decided to do something about it. Uh, so so mating construction was established as an industry response to uh, poor mental health and, um, and well-being within our industry. Okay. What type of workers do you cover? Um, we cover all sorts of construction workers and mining workers and energy workers as well. So um, we've, we've since then, uh, the, 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 the method and, and, and way we're, we're doing it have, have turned out to be quite effective. Um, so we've then started up programs for the mining industry and the, the energy industry as well. Oh, that's great. I must say, I really love the name Mates in Construction. It's really welcoming. <laughs> Well, it, it's basically all it is because um, quite often when uh, when we are struggling with mental health and and, and um, issues like that, we're not in front of uh, of our doctors. We're not in front of uh, health professionals, particularly not as as men. We're not very good at seeking help when 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 we're struggling. We're much more likely to be at work. We're much more likely to to be next to our workmates. So, it's really about mates helping mates. Um, just being aware of what's going on next to you and, and being able to to reach out to how you're going can I help you. Well, just building on that, what are the, some of the services that mates provide? 
Um, mates do a number of different things. So firstly, we, we go out to work site and we have conversations with workers about um, the problem we have in our industry about mental health and well-being and how we need to take ownership of it as, as workers within the industry. And, um, and through that process, we generate volunteers um, and we train those volunteers at what we call connectors. And a connector a connector's a mate who can keep you safe while connecting you to help. And uh, they're recognized by a specific stick on their hard hat so that we can all see who the connectors are. And we, uh, we then have key workers who might also be trained to intervene when, when somebody is at risk. Uh, so that's what we do on site. But we also back that up by operating a 24-7 support line and providing case management services to workers who are struggling. And in the other end of the spectrum, we, we help employers uh, advise them about what they can actually do to create a mentally healthy workplace. Uh, is there a cost to workers for the services? No. Um, the, the whole concept of mates in construction is that it's free for everyone. It's free for the employers and it's free for the workers. Um, and uh, workers don't perform their role for mates in construction as employees. They do it as volunteers with mates in construction because often particularly as construction workers, we move through the industry. We have one employer today and another employer tomorrow. Um, but we take that role with us. So if you're a connector for one employer, you are a connector for another employer. And obviously, we have to be able to support everyone no matter where they are, whether their employer is prepared to pay for it or not. Well, working in suicide prevention is pretty heavy stuff. Uh, how do you ensure that your workers maintain their mental health? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's about walking the walk. We need to we need to look out for ourselves. We need to to have appropriate self care. So, obviously, we have a number of field staff, which is is our employees, and, and we have responsibilities to them, just like like other employers have. Um, so, we make sure that that that, that our staff has um, adequate support in terms of of um, employee assistance programs and debriefings and and professional supervision for the for the, for the work they're doing um and and we make sure that we try to 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 model the the mentally healthy workplace we want employers within the industry to have that sounds great um i i noticed that you're a not-for-profit org and probably rely on donations um how can those who can afford it make a contribution to this great cause um, there's a number of things people can do if they want to be part of it. They can they can go on our website and donate money to us, which is which is obviously um, a, a way that a lot of people are doing it. But workers can also become what we call friends of mates, um, which is a, a, a giving program where where people donate ten dollars per month, um, less than a cup of coffee, um, towards it, and then become part of the Friends of Mates, where we, we keep people informed about what's going on and, and what we're doing as an organisation. So there's a there's a whole heap of things that that that, uh, that people can do. They can probably find that on our website or our Facebook page. Um, there's a lot of, lot of links to those kind of things if, if people want to donate and be part of it. So you've kind of pretty much answered my last question, but we'll jump into it anyway. But finally, and most importantly, how can construction workers get in touch with mates? Um, they can call 1300 642 111. So that's 1300 642 111. That's a 24-7 line. And um, they, they can use it for any any type of contact with us. But uh, particularly if, they, if they're concerned about themselves or one of their workmates, 
they can call up and, and, and talk to people there. But uh, And we will get back to them. Uh, but we will we'll offer, of course, support straight away. Um, and uh, and if they want to use the program on their site, uh, we'll get a field officer in contact with them about how to set it up on site. So um, this is this is a program that belongs to to all of the industry. So it's it's not a program specifically for employers or specifically for workers. It's for all of us who who belongs to the construction industry in one shape or form. Can you give us an example of some of the measures you recommend implementing on workplaces to prevent suicide? So what what we are doing is we are we are we are really setting workers up to support each other. And um and, and that's 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 important that um that we don't rely on sort of uh, because there's only a handful of us but we, we got we, we trained more than eighty thousand construction workers in the Queensland construction industry and we got about six or seven thousand volunteers who work across the industry who's actually doing the work for us. So typically uh, somebody might turn up to work and and appear to be a little bit out of thought or a little bit different to usual or, or some you know some of those kind of we might know that something is going on for them. Um, having one of your workmates just asking how are you really um, uh, and offering help can be the real difference and and knowing to ha- how to have these sort of uh, basic conversation about how do how do I actually ask somebody how they are in a way that 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 let them know that I mean it. Um, because when we are going through things, it can be quite difficult to ask for help because um, there's so much stigma and, 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 and things sitting around mental health. But when people offer to us, it really just becomes a matter of saying yes or no, and, uh, and that makes it a lot easier. So it's about equipping workers on site to, um, to support each other and, and look out for each other. This is a wonderful initiative, Jorg, and I think it's really important, especially in this industry, I suppose, because as we know, um, men in particular, unfortunately, have a can have a really hard time um, opening up. So just uh, being given that opportunity and that recognition to to express what they're going through, I think it will save a lot of lives. It's it, uh, it's what we do naturally. We will look out for each other. We do that. We do that sort of almost every day. So it's just about finding another frame for doing it and and doing it for another purpose, uh, being mental health and suicide prevention. So yes, it is really important and it is saving lives. Right. Oh well, uh, it's uh, Bill. Bill here, uh, Jorgen. Thank, well, uh, thank <laughs> you so much uh, for coming on and. Uh, uh, letting letting us know all about mates in, in construction, a great initiative. Uh, um, uh, well, well, I know that uh, Hannah's got vested interests. Uh, she's got a partner in the construction industry, so uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, fantastic that you're there. And also, just just as a, a little bit of a last note, I, 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 I do want to we'll, we'll follow up because I want to put you in in uh, touch with our our community service people. We do community oh. service announcements here on 4 Triple Z, and um, I'm sure that there could be a relationship uh, uh, there between 4 Triple Z and Mates in Construction. Oh, we absolutely love that. Uh, we'd be, 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 be love to be part of that. Um, you know, mates are stronger together. Um, that's that's what we know, and um, and the more we can get that message out there, the, the better. Right. Oh well. Uh, yeah. Like I said, thank you very much for coming on and letting us know all about uh, mates in construction. Is there anything you want to more to tell us before we uh, go to the music? 
No, I, I, I think I really thank you for having an interest in this. Um, we need to be aware that um, mental health is a significant issue. Uh, as a fa- matter of fact, now in industry, we, we lose more workers to poor mental health than we lose to safety, and it's not because our safety is anywhere near good enough. Um, so it's just an issue we really need to get our head around and, and, um, and make a difference. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Jorgen. Really? Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Right. So, uh, let's move on to some workers' action. Uh, Do you want to take us away, Hannah? No worries, comrade. So, aged care workers employed under under three awards will be entitled to two weeks' paid leave if they are required to self-isolate due to having coronavirus symptoms or being a close contact with a confirmed case, following a ruling from the Fair Work Commission. The Commission's ruling grants... Paid pandemic leave to staff working in residential aged care under the Aged Care Award, the Nurses Award and the Health Professionals Award. The amendments will come into effect from Wednesday, July 29th and last for three months. The entitlement extends to casual employees engaged on a regular and systemic basis and the payment would be based on the average earnings over the past six weeks. The ruling comes after the Commission's April decision to grant grant paid pandemic leave to other sectors working under 99 different awards. At the time, unions had argued the entitlement should be extended to aged care and healthcare workers. The push was rejected in April, April, but as hundreds of healthcare and aged care workers in Victoria contracted the virus in recent weeks, the FWC gave the matter urgent consideration. In its ruling, the FWC stated it cannot be assumed that the current outbreak will remain confined to Victoria. The recent events in that state demonstrate how rapidly circumstances can change, the full bench of the Commission found. Recent recent developments in New South Wales are not encouraging. The award of the entitlement remains necessarily notwithstanding that the current locus of the pandemic is in Victoria. The Commission found self-isolation was especially critical in aged care because of the vulnerability of aged persons to COVID-19 fatalities. The ruling found, while although self-isolating was said to be in the public interest, low-paid employees were likely to be placed in significant financial difficulty and even distress. Further, there is a real risk that employees who do not have access to leave entitlements might not report COVID-19 symptoms, which might require them to self-isolate, but rather seek to attend for work out of financial need, the ruling said. This represents a significant risk to infection control measures. These matters weigh significantly in favour of the introduction of a paid pandemic leave entitlement. Right on, yeah, this is uh, breaking. This only happened yesterday and um, details were released late last night and uh, I thought it important um, for us uh, to talk about because it it is a win um, for the unions, for the workers, um, albeit, uh, I think, six weeks of it. uh, um, but uh, the 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 thing was that uh, also last night uh, I was doing some work while I had the box going in in the background. There was a lot. Uh, the the uh, there was reports that the aged care industry is driving the COVID um, virus uh, numbers in in Victoria. There, a lot of the numbers are coming from aged care. That's where it's coming. We hear about clusters and we were talking a little bit about it last week and that. 
um, so, but aged care, and, and because of the, the uh, nature of, uh, uh, of the people who live in aged care, um, they're very, very vulnerable. And, and like uh, Hannah and I, you, we were talking about last week, um, we keep hearing um, of uh, places, the, the clusters and, and, and things like that, they're all low-paid working jobs. Yeah, and it's, it's just, you can kind of relate. Like that, you know, if you, you need to go to work, you need to have an income. So yeah. people will take risks so That's they can right. feed their family. It's, it's understandable, and so we, it's essential that we look after these workers if we're to stop the spread. It's that's it's spot on, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. I'm glad the the, the commission seen sense, and uh, uh, it was actually uh, there was a few unions involved with that: the health services union and the uh, the uh, um, nurses midwife uh, union. Uh, uh, so good on them, you know, getting some. Um, we'd call that relief. Do, um, do we know, know if they're still stopping workers from um, having more than one job down there, or? I Have think, you heard anything about that? No, I think that hasn't been resolved yet, that that, that, that part of the dispute. I will do some research to update next week. Um, well, hopefully if they're looking after workers properly, then, uh, you know, hopefully they shouldn't have to do, you know, have more than one job at this time, yeah. I'd imagine. Well, that's... That's right, you know, it's, uh, you shouldn't happen to be working two jobs. No, that's to, right. <laughs> to Same as uh, another thing that happens in, uh, in the transport industry, and it used to happen in retail, but they have uh, this thing called split shifts where you work in the morning and then you work in the evening. Split shifts and, suck. <laughs> and, and some, some, yeah, they do, they do. And some workers go, oh, but, but I used to get so many more hours. And, and, and it's so hard to tell workers that, yeah, that's because your boss was exploiting you. <laughs> You know, it's, oh, no, they were giving me extra shifts when, you know, every now and again they were exploiting you, you know, having you on call and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a long conversation because some people, you know, when the change happens, they lost a fair bit of money, you know, because, mm. because they were being exploited basically and, and some of these yeah, employ, employers, they, they should be uh, looking after their staff and, and paying them a living wage. Yeah, particularly now because we're not going to stop the coronavirus we're going to keep having these outbreaks in these clusters while workers aren't being looked after and while the economy and money comes first and welcome back to workers power where you're with uh, bill hannah and jackson and uh, we just played uh, skyhooks uh, um, all my friends are getting married uh, from 1975 now during the break we we learned that Another friend is getting married. <laughs> Smiley's popped the big question, has he? He did. He proposed to me last Wednesday on my birthday. I was hanging out the laundry and he got down on one knee. <laughs> well, good on him. Good on you, Smiley. Well done. And, uh, yes, uh, you said yes, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations uh, from, from, from uh, Jackson and I and... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, oh, we're looking forward to some celebrations. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's, that's some some really nice news there, and really, all my friends are getting married. <laughs> maybe after a twenty-year relationship, I should do it. Twenty years, maybe. three kids, <laughs> maybe it's time I did it. Right, uh, well, we we better move on to uh, some more uh, workers' action, and uh, you've got some stuff from the ETU, Hannah. 
Yes, so the Electrical Trade Union members at Canberra Power Company Evo Energy have overwhelmingly rejected a crappy EBA offer from the company. 77% of workers at the electricity distributor voted down management's underwhelming deal, with 228 saying no and 68 saying yes. The ETU and other unions plan to push for a much improved outcome in a second round of bargaining. ETU New South Wales and ACT Secretary Justin Page congratulated members on standing firm. Our members know they deserve better. They will not accept an inferior package that would remove hard-won conditions while offering annual pay rises of just 2%. Great work from the ETU team of delegates and organiser Matt McCann, said Justin. In June, the ETU launched the union's first combined power industry EBA campaign covering five companies, Evo Energy, Transgrid, Ausgrid, Endeavour Energy and Essential Energy. We recently surveyed members across the industry. Workers told us they were prepared to fight for job security and fair pay rises and to maintain all current conditions. The huge no vote at Evo Energy reinforces that poll. Right on, yeah. I, I, I pulled this story out because I, I wanted to. Uh, well, it's, it's a good, you know, it, it's a good it's way of showing. Action. Yeah, it's workers' <laughs> action. But uh, I wanted to highlight how you can vote no. Yes, that's well, right. As workers, you know, uh, we can reject these crappy offers that that, that bosses uh, um, and their lackeys uh, send our way. We, you know, all it takes is a bit of collective action, and uh, yeah, we we can say no. We can say no to any deal, and uh, um, yeah, then uh, y- y- you know, it's it's on for young and old, uh, then because you're back into bargaining again, and uh, and that means it's uh, you know. And, uh, strikes are on, <laughs> you know. Let's uh, let's uh, get some power in the workplace. But yeah, I wanted to uh, highlight uh, that. Uh, yeah, if the bosses give you a crappy deal, vote no. Yeah, um, which they will often try to do. <laughs> oh, of course they will. Of course they will. You know, and 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 they're 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 going. There's going to be a lot of this. Um, and they're going to be blaming the crisis and, you know, like capitalism never uh, lets a, a good crisis go to waste. And, um, you, you know, they're, they're not going they're going, to... There's going to be claims of, uh, oh, it's to keep the business afloat and, and, and that. Well, you know, it, it's your job and the union's job to, uh, you know, make sure they're honest and say, well, put it in writing. Yeah, keep yourself afloat and your workmates. That's right, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, good good story of uh, you know workers standing their ground and uh, <laughs> right. Oh well, we we've got uh, one more uh, workers' action from uh, this so-called Australia, and, uh, uh, and then we're into uh, international. So. Uh, Let's, uh, you got something from uh, United Workers Union, Hannah? I do, comrade. So, Woolworths Wyong distribution centre workers have been negotiating since March of this year. Woolworths supermarkets have seen their revenue grow by, by 8.6% as of mid June and up to 10.7% in the previous quarter. Last week, up to 500 Woolworths distribution workers were forced to work legal, forced to take legal industrial action and stop work for 24 hours after the supermarket giant refused to negotiate fairly regarding workers' pay and conditions. Workers at the Wyong Distribution Centre on the central coast of New South Wales are demanding pay parity with workers who do the exact same job for the same company less than two hours away in Sydney. 
Workers on some job levels are paid up to 16% less. <clears throat> Workers are also calling for an end to Woolworths' unsafe pick rates and insecure work, which leaves many worrying if they will be able to support their family week to week. Woolworths has been, has been using the unsafe pick rates to discipline workers and as a basis to refuse permanent jobs. Woolworths warehouse staff have worked throughout the COVID-19 crisis, helping the company achieve record growth, but management continues to refuse their demands after almost five months of negotiations. Recognising that it is a difficult time, workers were willing to return to work at 5am on Saturday, but they have not ruled out further stoppages until they win pay parity with the big city distribution centres. Disgracefully, these workers have been informed by Woolworths that they will be locked out until next Wednesday for taking 24 hours protected industrial action. Shame. Shame. <laughs> this dispute will be a crucial struggle for the future of logistics workers in Australia. The strike comes off the back of a devastating announcement amidst, amid the pandemic that Woolworths would slash 1,350 jobs across Victoria and New South Wales, leaving many Woolworths workers feeling angry and betrayed. We aren't worthless just because we live and work in Warnervale. We do the same work and we should be paid the same amount, said one of the workers. This is about securing a future for our families and our community. Some casuals here have been waiting six years for a permanent, permanent job. Meanwhile, Woolies brings in people off the street and gives them a permanent role. That's hard to watch. I've been working here for more than 10 years and I'm sick of being one of the lowest paid Woolworths warehouse workers in Australia, said the worker. On Saturday, the May 1 movement organised a car convoy that included MUA, CFMEU and RAFU, amongst others, showing solidarity. Yeah, right on. A good, a, a good, um, a good action there. And uh, yeah, but a uh, bit, bit disgrace from the bosses. Uh, you know, penalising them for taking action by locking them out further. It's, it's just another grubby union busting tactic that that bosses use and. Um, yeah, solidarity uh, with, with those uh, workers. They've got a good union behind them. And, uh, yeah, it's um, another thing of a divide and conquer, basically, you know. Um, it's, it, you know, it goes all the way back to, well, probably even further than John Howard. And then when the Labor Party introduced the Fair Work Act, you know, and, and there's, no, there's no industry bargaining. You know, you can't you, you can't negotiate. Um, you know, the Sydney workers and the, and the Wyong workers they can't negotiate together mm. anymore. They they split them up and divide and conquer. And you know, the you, you, you people doing the same job and getting paid different different amounts of money. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, so shame um, on Woolies again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, once again. You know, well, there's 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 a. Uh, a theme that seems to happen every now and again is cycle of uh, and, and yeah scallywag of the week uh, when we get to that really highlights that and uh, but uh, yeah bosses like Woolworths and Coles and dodgy construction companies and and the like you know they they seem to be in the news a fair bit on our show yeah I wonder why <laughs> yes yes I wonder why you know so we also frequently uh, feature Ubu on our show they're just a really um, active Union. Well, I'm pretty sure they're the, they're the largest union now. They, oh, bef- before it used to be the nurses' union, 
But with the amalgamation, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that the United Workers Union are the are the biggest uh, unions union by by number member number in the country. So, you know, and the, these are workers that are you know like warehouse workers, uh, uh, bar they cover hospitality, they they cover um, some tech sectors of the aged care, uh, they look after um, you know um, paramedics. Um, yeah, they, they've got a huge coverage of, of lots of different, uh, um, well, not different types of industries and trades and that. So, uh, yes, and um, they're quite progressive too. And uh, referring to the, the uh, life campaign launch that I was talking about early on in the show, the uh, national secretary Tim Kennedy was actually one of the keynote speakers. Oh, yeah, that's his, right. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Great good, job. yeah, they're doing some good stuff, and let's uh, let's just hope that they stay to the left of politics and and uh, well, get out of politics altogether <laughs> and just organise their workers. That's that's what we want to see unions doing. You know, taking collective action in the workplace. Well, out of electoral politics and into more physical everyday politics. Yeah, I so I was thinking, everything's political yeah it is if you have a really powerful union like imagine what they could do with a kangaroo point um struggle if they wanted to get involved with that that's right yeah and uh we're going to talk about that in events later and there's something to do with unions and and kangaroo point so uh yeah you're spot on the money there uh jackson now we're just going to move on to International Workers' Action, where we've got an update from the US uprising that is ongoing and the focus of much of the news. I, well, much of the news I pay attention to anyway. So, on Saturday, Saturday July 5th, 2020, revolutionaries gathered in cities across the US in response to the deployment of unmarked vans filled with ice and other fascist personnel to Portland, Oregon, snatching comrades off the street in recent weeks, as well as plans to send these thugs to other cities in the weeks to come. Meanwhile, the murder of black people by police and right-wing civilians continues unabated. Precincts were attacked, state vehicles burned throughout the night, and countless federal buildings were smashed. Here is a brief rundown of some of the events that transpired in the U.S. on July 25th. In Atlanta, revolutionaries attacked a Department of Homeland Security building, blasting it with fireworks and smashing windows. In Aurora, Revolutionaries took over an interstate highway and lit a courthouse on fire. (laughs) In Austin, Texas, a protester was murdered by a fascist, unfortunately. So, um, solidarity to them and their family from workers' power. Um, In Baltimore, a Baltimore Fraternal Order of Police building, that's the police quote-unquote union, was attacked by revolutionaries and its building was defaced and its American flag was burned. In Los Angeles, California, a number of federal buildings were attacked. Revolutionaries smashed windows and launched water bottles at police. In Louisville, Kentucky, more than 300 members of the Atlanta-based Black Militia NFAC, or Not Fucking Around Coalition, (laughs) came to (laughs) Louisville 
demanding justice for 26-year-old Breonna Taylor, an an ER technician who was fatally shot by pigs in March. Wearing all black and carrying assault rifles, members marched in military-style formation from Baxter Park in Russell neighborhood to Metro Hall, where they stopped around 2.45pm at police barricades. Right across was a smaller group of 50 far-right 3% militia members, who were also heavily armed. These right-wing armed vigilantes came to support the pigs. In New York, at least one NYPD vehicle was smashed and revolutionaries set barricades on fire. In Oakland, militants set fire to a courthouse, vandalized a police station, and shot fireworks at officers. In Richmond, a garbage truck was set on fire outside police headquarters. In Sacramento, windows at City Hall were shattered and protest slogans were spray-painted onto the front doors of the Sacramento County Main Jail. In Seattle, Washington, revolutionaries burnt down the buildings at the construction site of a new youth detention centre. That's a pretty good action, stopping kids from getting locked up. We've got this similar movement going here in Australia where they're trying to raise the age of that you can lock kids up because currently you can lock kids as young as 10 up here in Australia so they're trying to get that raised to at least 14 um, yes so the windows of the building back in Seattle um, the windows of the buildings that houses state patrol and several other state officers were smashed and road flares and rocks thrown at police a hole was blown into the wall of the Seattle PD's East Precinct building Nightly street fights have been taking place in Portland for the last six weeks between residents and city police and border patrol troops. The border patrol troops were sent as a show of federal force but have been beaten back by unrelenting resistance and growing forces in the streets. Great story, Jackson. Big, big solidarity from us here to all our comrades over in the States. It's quite shocking reading about all these people just being nabbed and their families don't even know where they're being taken. It's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty shocking stuff that's happening over there at the moment. Yeah, it's really escalating a lot and it will be... It's a time of great um, tension, but also a lot of hope that this might turn into something, a movement, a huge movement, something better. Um, but in talking of escalation, we've got some news from Mali in West Africa, where a large government demonstration has turned into a total uprising against the state. Protesters tried to occupy the National Assembly, two major bridges, and successfully shut down national broadcasting in the country. The protest against President Ibrahim Boubacar Kate is the third such demonstration in two months, significantly asking, escalating pressure on the embattled despot. Thousands initially gathered in a square in the capital, Bamako, on Friday to demand Kate resign immediately. Cater this week unsuccessfully floated political reforms in a bid to appease opponents, but did not concede to demands from the political opposition to dissolve the parliament. Leaders of the protest had called on supporters to occupy buildings, including the Prime Minister's office and other locations, at the start of a campaign aimed at forcing Cater to resign. Mali's national television, ORTM, went off air on Friday after hundreds of protesters entered the broadcaster's 
building in the capital. Several miles away, people pelted the National Assembly with rocks shattering its glass facade. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, solidarity to everyone who's standing up against these uh, brutal regimes and governments who think that they can stamp all over the working class. Yeah, West African countries often are heavily exploited and they have like such a huge dire need for revolutionary changes and this also leads to much more intense class struggle as we're seeing with this story um, yeah that's that's when it happens we're a bit too comfortable in australia still <laughs> i think that's right but uh well if things keep going the way they are especially in america you know it's mm. like uh y- y- you know there's a and um there was a, on the q a last night and other news feeds around as i said i had the box in the background going you know, they were talking about um, levels of higher than 10% unemployment. Yeah, yeah. Now, w- w- what, what that figure means to me as, 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 a, as an older comrade who's been around a little bit, generally, if the, um, if the unemployment rate, the, the, the whole unemployment rate is 10%, you find that uh, 17 to uh, 30-year-olds, they bear the brunt of that. They bear the brunt of that. So, but I, I also wanted to talk about that there's a new class of worker that, that, that are really, really struggling and, that, and, and the majority are, are, are women and that's the over 55 yeah, bracket. Yeah. The women who've been, you know, they've been involved in unpaid domestic labour much of their life. Mm. They have no superannuation saved up. And, you know, their children leave home and for whatever reason they end up on their own and they have no nothing to back them up. That's right, and it's our, our job as uh, unionists and activists to say, hey, we t- not, not to say, look, we told you so. It's, no, you're right, good, come on. Let's go and let's get some solidarity action happening, and then, and then hopefully we will we'll see uh, um, action in the streets. Yeah, we need to. The rate of un- of homelessness and oh. of women over fifty vibe is skyrocketing. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yes, um, some good some good reporting there. You always do us proud with uh, some in- great international workers' action, Jackson. Thank you very much. No problem. Very, very important part of the team, and driving the. May I add, uh, driving on his own the the panel today. So, <laughs> which is why it has been a bit worse quality. <laughs> no, you're doing no, really no, well, no, comrade. No, no, we're community radio. We're, we're we're not we're not professional radio announcers. We're workers. Um, try out there here trying to talk with other workers. So, um, I'm sure that they understand when we have our little hiccups and the like. And uh, we're at the uh, stage of the show that we uh, um, we talk about events. There's only a couple here, and uh, they're both to do with KP uh, Kangaroo Point. So first off, uh, unions uh, for refugees organising meeting um, at the uh, pizza restaurant at seventy two one Main Street, Kangaroo Point tonight at six pm. So that's Unions for Refugees. There's a, a meeting going on there to uh, 
um, um, formulate what what, what uh, the unions can do in solidarity and what union members uh, can do to uh, get get their unions involved. You know, so it's not it's not as uh, as easy as you know. So bringing up your organizer, this is on. You know, it's. Uh, you you got to do a little bit of work to to you know get your union on board. You know sometimes your secretary might not even know about the issue. So um, yeah yeah. So th- th- this will be a a good get together of uh, you know unionists talking about how um, they can do activities and also how they can uh, get other union members involved. So uh, yeah, a, a good thing. All right, and also I wanted to mention the uh, mass sit-in on the Story Bridge uh, for the Free the KP120, which is beginning at, at Raymond Park in Brisbane, which is not that far, just around the corner from the um, fr- from the site. It's, uh, if you've been there, it's, it, that's the park behind the pineapple. Um, and uh, that is on August 8th, of, August 8th, at noon, and then I think that there's going to be like a a, a rally to uh, walk up to the Story Bridge and uh, and see if they can uh, uh, get some awareness on this issue. You know, sometimes uh, you could you could be worrying about something like this, and and you're talking to you know friends, comrades, whatever. They don't even know what's going on. Mm. You know, so um, you know that's our, our role. <laughs> Definitely, for when we're here at, at Workers' Power, that's our role to 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 let uh, our comrades know about the struggle that's happening. Um, but um, yeah, also when we're in the workplace and uh, um, you know, we're talking to family and friends. Um, the, the, this idea of uh, some families they don't talk politics at at the dinner table. Well. That's garbage. As we said before, everything's political. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I, I like the story, and I used this on the weekend actually. There, that I, I tell workers that uh, uh, if you're not into politics, don't worry. Your boss is into politics, and he'll look after it for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or your bank manager, or your landlord. You know, don't leave politics up to these people. Um, get involved. Um, you know, and and, and uh, be active. Uh, that's what we say. So, uh, at this stage of the show, normally, you know, in a, in a COVID-free society, we would have a few more events, and you wouldn't hear me rabbiting on about how important it is to become political. <laughs> and we're about to go uh, talk about our scallywag of the week. But first, I want to. I have one more event to announce, which is my sister's 16th birthday, so happy birthday to Ainsley. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, (laughs) Ainsley, sweet 16. Um, So take it away, Hannah, with our Scallywag of the Week. Thank you, comrade. So early last Thursday, the Australian Services Union filed an application in the federal court seeking declarations, back pay and penalties against Qantas for breach of the JobKeeper minimum payment guarantee. Qantas calculates the JobKeeper top-up by looking at what an employer has been paid in a particular JobKeeper fortnight. If the amount is less than the $1,500 minimum payment, they top it up so the employer is paid $1,500. The ASU claims this is in contravention of the Fair Work Act, which guarantees that employees be paid either the $1,500 or the amounts payable to the employee in relation to the performance of work during the fortnight in each JobKeeper fortnight. The Qantas payroll fortnight is different to the JobKeeper fortnight. 
Furthermore, Qantas delays paying shift penalties and overtime for the last week of the Qantas payroll fortnight until the next payday. Qantas needs to look at when money was earned, not when it was paid, to calculate the JobKeeper fortnight. This has resulted in some employees having lost money when penalty rates and overtime from one pay period are paid in the next pay period and Qantas offsets that amount against JobKeeper. The ASU is asking the federal court to make a declaration interpreting Section 789 GDA of the Fair Work Act. This means that the federal court would tell Qantas that their interpretation of this section is wrong while asking the federal court to order Qantas to back pay those employees for the penalties this, they missed out on. They, were, they are also asking the court to order civil penalties against Qantas for their deliberate contravention of the Act. Once again, Qantas is leaving workers in the dark and families without security. For this, Alan Joyce and his parasitic brethren have won themselves scallywag of the week. It's not the first time and, unfortunately, we doubt it'll be the last. What a grub that Alan Joyce is. Once again. <laughs> yeah, from, from, from when he very first... So I remember years and years and years ago, uh, there was huge cuts in uh, in uh, Qantas and Alan Joyce was, oh, it's the stuff that we've got to do. Oh, oh, look, we, we can we, we can refer to my partner to this one, but I, I said to her, look, if, if we were investors... I'd be buying shares in, in Qantas right now because, lo and behold, cuts, cuts, cuts were made and a few le- years later, profits, profits, profits were up. So there, he, Alan Joyce, he, he, he's a... He's a uh, yeah, he's a capital scallywag and uh, will do anything to exploit workers and, and, and maximise profits for shareholders. It's, it's in his makeup. So for that... Um, this week he's Scallywag of the Week, and I, I can give you a, a good tip here. He is red hot favourite to win in Scallywag of the Year. Yeah, yeah it would be hard to beat the absolute grub of Alan Joyce. <laughs> yeah. And this sort of story shows like why it's really important to have a union because this is like a really weird, contrived form of wage theft that like and workers who after working their 40 hour work week might not be able to like notice at all but if you have a union keeping an eye on things for you it can really help with that sort of thing um all right well that's yeah. th- that's the show done well thank you hannah thank you jackson thank you comrades uh, thank you to uh jorgen uh, um for for being on uh, you you can um get get uh, copies uh, or listen to copies of our show on 4ZZZ.org.au and at um oh work, the workershour.blogspot.com yeah all right, well, that's that's the show we're going to leave. Oh, look at this. I've chosen a song for myself here because later on I'm going to be having some beers. So uh, uh, that's this one. And, uh, yeah, well, we're going to pass through to uh, Brisbane Line, so stick around for uh, up-to-date news and, and current affairs on uh, 4 Z Brisbane Lines. But uh, from us here on Workers' Power, that's uh, another week, and we will see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday, comrades. Good Things in Strange Times is a 4ZZZ community directory full of frequently updated support for local businesses, initiatives and you. If you're looking for creative, practical ways to keep connected to your community, show your support for your favourite small businesses or are seeking services and advice during these strange times, take a look through our ever-growing online directory. There, you'll find everything from fresh local produce providers and book merchants who'll safely deliver right to your door. 
online Skillshare groups where you can find or offer help and useful resources for anyone feeling vulnerable or unsure in these strange times. We're updating the directory regularly and we want to include your recommendations too. Email them to dominique at fortriplez.org.au or you can access the resource and submit recommendations directly at fortriplez.org.au forward slash good things. The Good Things in Strange Times Community Directory is just another way for Triple Z is connecting and amplifying the voices of our community.